And I didn't think about the fact that, oh, I just had a filling, so the right half of my mouth is still numb. So I might sound funny. Hmm. I hope that you do. I hope <laughs> that you do. All right. Where's our cute little dinosaurus Rex? Wow, it's cool. And I and I just had nitrous, and now of course now it's all gone. But oh, buddy, I always lie, and I'm like, no, I'm not feeling it yet. Some more would be great. <laughs> I should have done that. I thought I wanted to be sure to be able to come out of it enough so i could get back here and everything but oh i but yeah i always breathe really deeply and yeah take as much <laughs> suck of that it all in good good juice as they have for you hey justin hey guys you're wearing a hat i am wearing you're, a hat you, you never wear hats I, he wears a hat he wears a hat he? i i see the boy wear a, a build hat absolutely he's he's had a, a whole slew of them Really? Uh, I occasionally hat, especially when I have I long he, hair. I thought he just usually like grab my hat when, when we're in the store and wears that. Welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode 45. This one, we just get to have our hair down and relax. Really, just sort of these three boys, this phone call. We didn't even need to read any comics for this one. This is just an all-email show, since we've gotten a fair number of emails with people expressing their thoughts on the book. We want to make sure those are heard, and surprise, all of the episodes go longer than we mean for them to. So there hasn't been a huge amount of time in the individual issues for emails and holy shit justin hey buddy hey i've made it back you've made it back it's been just a just a couple of episodes but in that couple of episodes the world got way more busy you've started school how have Mm -hmm. you been i've been you've been yeah um you know i uh have been pacing more or less oh the book um you know it's weird being shot back through the timeline of your own life and then forced to live your life as your ancestors and leave clues for your future descendants to help you get out of time. So that's been a weird phenomenon for me, but you know, other than that, but you know, isn't that sort of what we're all going through with needing to get back into the world from the pandemic? Right. Right. <laughs> so, and Roman, you, uh, in the interest of time, we're going to get started here. Cause I know you have to go to work before too long here. Yeah. 1130. We have plenty of time. Plenty of time, he says. That's that guy who <laughs> I love doesn't worry about getting to places on time. <laughs> um, well, hey, uh, gosh, I'm going to just take it back. I'm going to take it back. This one is from about two and a half weeks ago, September 10th. Our friend Judd Morse. You guys all remember Judd Morse? You guys remember those yeah. days? Yeah, back yeah. working in the comic shop and Judd would come in? Good times. Okay, this has got... Some, some paragraphs. So just stay with me here. Let's all oh, just yeah. be We're one with it. each other. Hey guys, took a bit of a detour between the end of RIP and the start of Batman and Robin to revisit a couple of Grant's other series that I feel play heavily into the Batman run, Seven Soldiers and Final Crisis. Seven Soldiers is more of a lead into Final Crisis than anything, but there are some interesting concepts and I've noticed Grant bringing back up. 
Um, read that wrong, but there we are. For instance, the time-traveling weapon and the Sheeta are both concepts that I just noticed pop up in both series. Also, remember that magic cauldron thing that King Cole references in Batman and Robin, which we assume equals Lazarus Pit? The magic cauldron is also part of Seven Soldiers. It's one of the seven legendary weapons. Wish I had a legendary weapon. And uh, was lost in Camelot times. That's true. We do wield a Roman that feels a bit like a legendary weapon. Um, (laughs) Before I get too far out in the weeds, I wanted to ask you guys what your thoughts are on starting up some kind of Morrison Batman related discussion page or forum or something. You'd mentioned getting more and more emails. and I'd personally love to read through them and look at other people's threads it could be as simple as a dedicated subreddit or even hooking a forum onto the comics site. Whoa. Judd, that's Whoa. a very good idea. Unfortunately, writing an email to the three least technology, <laughs> the technologically linked in of the four people that show up on this podcast. So I will bring that up to Django, who is active enough on things like Facebook that he makes it so other people don't even need to be on it. He's like... You know, he's walking downstairs and checking his updates and his likes and and stuff. So I think that's a really awesome idea. And it's probably just off our radar. But actually, Roman's a pretty big face head. Um, I, I am, but I didn't even know you could put a forum to a to a website or whatever. Just you know, said. there's like some groups on Facebook. Anyway, I, yeah, we'll we'll look into that. That's a super good idea. Um, I finally caught back up and now I'm a little ahead of the podcast. Instead of writing a long rambling email again, I wanted to touch on some of the later issues and point out big areas I noticed um, and that I'm not sure about. Batman Robin 1, did we ever figure out who actually killed Toad? With this reread, I'm starting to expect Joker Oberyn. I think that it was Oberyn Sexton. And that's why the, the Domino was there is because he's the one leaving Dominoes everywhere. Mm-hmm um batman robin 4 did you guys ever figure out what the riddle of the corn dolly was i didn't i didn't that was uh you know it's probably out there somewhere judd corn dolly yeah i, I believe thought, i thought that yeah, I... oh go ahead bro no no i remember i was gonna say justin didn't we talk about that i thought we you said something about that you guys I've... both brought very intelligent ideas to that episode you like both had a very like good read on something and i was like oh man all i did was google the riddle of the corn dolly and got nothing um which is true <laughs> i got nothing and then i was sitting next to you guys who were like you know knew about some mythic ancestor related thing and i looked like a fucking um uh, you know an oaf I, I don't think so but i do think <laughs> i know what the corn dolly is oh i do believe that it is a corn cream filled custard donut oh <laughs> the dolly you're yeah. right that is one that is still baked often fried often in amish areas amish sex of america <laughs> um because it still uses uh, a partial a bit of the leavening process that we don't use anymore and but they do use it anyway it's uh, so a custard get, too they do use it and i think they they mix the dough in in that cauldron oh you're right and that's why the old pearly boy needed to get it because he was looking for those okay man so we cracked the code so that's very (laughs) very good uh batman robin number six the zurin r password bothers me when dick uses the password to find the sarcophagus Mm -hmm. um i suppose bruce could have filled everyone in prior to final crisis but that doesn't feel right somehow could dick have his own relationship with that phrase maybe not mind control or a second identity but maybe he associates it with something secret and that's why uh, he uses it as a passphrase. What do you guys think? I 
I think I took it when I read it that Dick and probably only Dick knows about that password because he was Batman's partner during that original time when Batman went into the sensory deprivation and everything. I like that. C. I, I didn't. I, I didn't really have one. Yeah. Yeah, and then Dick was also at that time like the only Robin. Um, like the whole Zerenar thing came from Robin dies at dawn, and so like if everything happened, then Dick knows of that phrase, that planet, that stuff. Whether that happened in Batman's mind during the isolation tank, or if it, they literally went to another planet, you know, depending on how you like to read those events, but Dick knows about that. And I even crafted in my mind that, you know, Dick was the one who put the body in there and has that password. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, And so that's like Dick's secret little ploy that he has, even though he's not much of a planner. Like he was like, well, I'm going to save this body in case a Lazarus pit shows up. Um. Return of Bruce Wayne number one. I can't remember why there's a spaceship there. Do we ever see how Batman was transported into the past? I don't remember him going via shuttle. Almost feels like a time capsule. It is a time capsule that they sent at the end of Final Crisis back to the the birth of this world, the fifth world. Um, so that's the time capsule from that. The Joker character really reminds me of that first issue of Morrison's run in Countdown where one of the dudes has the Joker laugh, evidence that this adventure is past, is the past, is all in Bruce's mind, as with the Togo ritual. Um, I got lost in the weeds reading that one, Judd. I'm sorry, that's just me. Uh, first appearance of the Pearls. God, I love this fucking book. Oh, and that's, okay, sorry, we're in a sub part of Return of Bruce Wayne there. Um, yeah, like the, the stone necklace that mm-hmm. they, they have is, yeah, I love that too. boy having red hair and becoming the proto sidekick was a conscious choice i think yeah i didn't realize the the boy had red hair in that one but that's interesting just given the like jason todd red hair thing that we talked about before red hair yeah oh (laughs) justin that's why that's you that's you he he uses red hair as a red herring for things I was going to try to make some like horrible fake connection with another Nick Cave song, but I didn't get there. Um, You know, Justin, we're only like, so the podcast we did Batman and Robin 13, the reveal or sorry, uh, 12, the reveal of the, the Joker as Oberyn. And then we did Batman 701 and 702. So we're really fresh off that Joker revealed as Oberyn. Do you want to do any hot takes on that? I know that you're a big fan of that. Um, I don't know if I have hot takes beyond, you know, back in the day, I had like looked at the Shakespeare references and court jesters are related to Oberyn. And so there's some like hint fairies and jesters and grave diggers. There's some connective tissue between all those things that I read about online. And so I was like, I think it's the Joker. And sure enough, it is. So Morrison did he does do kind he kind of tells you if you're willing to do the work before i mean and i think there are other instances where people just know batman and how batman works um and the fact that he's killing the people that piss joker off um is also pretty obvious but there you know for people who want to research more there are other hints seated within the book that tells you kind of that joker is the guy the whole time yeah it's Uh, so interesting to like know it and read it 
you know because i yeah. do think it was pretty well hidden the first time through but then when you know it it is more obvious right unless you're doc walk and you're just telling people that it's obvious the whole time clearly this is what grant <laughs> yeah. morrison was doing yeah uh, <laughs> yeah he's going he's going by a shorthand now of doc walk <laughs> um bat rant man and robin number 11 Niberia seems attuned to barbados that's weird the name of the 99 fiends and barbados are all classic demonology names i didn't know that and then justin cracked that nut wide open on my forehead and i thought thanks justin um are you saying that or is that just saying that oh that that was me sorry yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he said are all classic demonology names and then i said the thing about justin cracking that nut open for me i need to probably i'm not used to reading this many emails so um, bear with me everybody I was like, that sounds awfully like jeff <laughs> dick finds the barbados statue and there's a gate behind it i'm assuming that's where he goes and gets fucked up and finds the coffin question mark when Dick emerges and Damien hits him with the shovel, something weird starts going on with the Batman logo <laughs> on his chest. At first, Nobody I thought knows. it was yeah. At first, I thought it was an art problem, like something was miscolored. But it looks like it was intentional. You can see the silhouette of the emblem hanging. Not sure if it's a result of Oberon's shovel, the Bat casket, or something else. Neither are we, Judd. And I hope that since this is this is from almost two weeks ago, um, this is how far back these emails go. I hope someone in these email threads knows what that was because it, it persisted for issues. Yeah. Dri- oh, go ahead, Justin. Oh, what drives me more insane than the fact that it's there is like, it's intentional. It's drawn that way. So there's yeah. something in the script somewhere that has significance to Grant Morrison. Like, I need this bat sticker to be peeling off and yeah. playing. Like, what is the overarching purpose of that? Because it's very intentionally placed there it drives me insane. Like, I'm like, why choose to like have a metaphor or some, some other thing through like a peeling of a bat. I never thought the bat signal signal was something on top of the armor. If I, just, I had like, more courage and just a little bit more time, I would say something crazy. Like I'm going to look into emailing Grant Morrison and Andy Clark about that, um, which I would like to do, but again, kind of a coward, and stretch for time so i'm not sure that I'll get, but that's right. got to be one of the great persistent questions of this podcast we've got to yeah. crack that jeff is that the first like i i doubt that i'm sure many times you've wanted to email grant morrison like myself and i i can't imagine that the first thing that you would want to send to him is a question about the like peeling mat thing. Yeah, what were you doing there you bald <laughs> son of a bitch um yeah i'd love to hear him talk because is it a metaphor or is it just my conclusion that that dick just has a cheaper knockoff bat suit because he's not he's not the, the full batman it's less armored and he's not as weighted down yeah he, he yeah. finishes his saying comes a um, this is my favorite part of my favorite story so fun to get it share to get to share with other people judd thank you so much for your thoughts thank you buddy um, I agree. we got an, okay get ready for this do you guys know andrew carlson <clears throat> friend of the show get ready wowzers yeah, i've met him this one's after Batman and Robin number 11. So just, uh, just not too long ago at uh, podcast time. Uh, both covers are so well done. The shot of Oberon and Damien all palled up like the issue number one cover is awesome. Starkly contrasted with the battle scene cover of the other side. Andy Clark is definitely one of my favorite artists and uh, to see coming out of this run alongside, alongside J.H. Williams III. He reached out and I, don't, I believe he had said he had never seen J.H. Williams III before this run. So, so glad to have you get to check that out 
I must offer slight criticism to the colorist for this issue. Hurt changes to blonde and even kind of red brunette in several shots, and that's a bit jarring to look at. I love uh, your, your attention to detail. The detail of Naberius having the same type of eyes as his bird was such a terrifying panel. Didn't notice that, Andrew. You can feel the demonic visage staring into your soul, yet Oberon just whacks the shit out of him with his shovel without hesitation. Such a Bruce move. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Uh, I'm only becoming more convinced it's Bruce as the story progresses. I love it, Andrew. I was that was my big hope was that it was Bruce. I think that was the intentional cock tease that Morrison was doing. He yeah. was trying to get us all to get horny on that. And then the actually the cockatees. Um it's actually not Bruce, but the anti Bruce, which we were all like, Well, fuck. <laughs> um also having such an energetic action scene contraposed with Dick's detective skills felt like a classic Batman tale. A great mix of mystery and bombastic fights. Even when Damien hits Dick with his shovel, the Bat logo comes up off his chest a bit. <laughs> like he hit him so hard, stitching came loose. That's pretty insane. I like your read on it, Andrew, and I appreciate <laughs> that you're comfortable sitting somewhere with it. Uh, do you guys believe that the issue fiend with nine eyes where bruce told jezebel he's batman could be related to dr hurt's fiends that show up there it's interesting to me that Naberius screams 99 fiends have no master before Oberon knocked him senseless would you would like to hear your thoughts keep up the amazing work as always that's an interesting read wow. i think i had gone long enough between those issues that i didn't even think to connect that yeah, yeah. there's some kind of mystical Kabbalah meaning with the number nine and multiples of nine, Justin? <laughs> multiples of three, which nine is, but mm. I don't know the connection. I I like the idea that fiends are a thing that maybe are seeded through there, and I'm sure Graham Morrison has an internal <laughs> overlaying logic to all things. So it, It's at least our faith that he does, which yeah. is <laughs> like putting on very powerful rosy-colored glasses. For sure. Um, that you can't get them off after a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got an awesome email from Shane Caldwell about a week and a half ago that I didn't read because it did say spoilers for the end of Batman and Robin, uh, and it doesn't really spoil too much about Return of Bruce Wayne, but uh, Shane said, love the show, guys. Convinced me to buy the omnibus to read along. This run is what first got me into comics a decade ago. I haven't been reading for a few years, and going back over his work has brought me 100% back into this obsession. My understanding is that the bat in issue number one of The Return of Bruce Wayne is the hyper-adapter, but after it was thrown back in time by the Justice League after they rip it off Bruce, which is uh, a thing that happens later. The dick bat... Mm-hmm. I the, love that. Uh, the bat dick sees, not the dick bat sees, uh, or says he saw in the next issue of Batman and Robin is the hyper-adapter being flung back through time. The bat dick Oh, sees. fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I love that, it. Oh, the, the hallucination! Not, yeah. yeah, get that's it. Ba- that's backwards, forwards, time travel. That is get. Oh, um, I know you all like novel time travel stories, and your conversation oh, about yeah. the past and future having a conversation is more right than you thought. The whole thing is basically a monkey in the middle game with Bruce and the hyper adapter. Can't a monkey in the middle game with Bruce and the hyper adapter? Can't wait for Batman Incorporated. Keep up the good work, and please pick another famous comic run by another author afterwards. <laughs> Hickman, Fantastic Four, and Shield. Anybody is what he said. Um, man, Shane, I would love to, but as much as I love doing this podcast, it is gonna. There's gonna have to be a several month vacation before I even think <laughs> about doing more podcasting because. Uh, it's like being chased by a large shadow that keeps getting closer and closer <laughs> until you realize it's connected at your feet and you just have a compulsive need to turn anything you like doing into 
uh, a podcast. So Jeff, cut it out. Um, but thank you so much, Jane. Thank you, Shane. So yeah, glad you're reading awesome. it. Thank you. And it's funny that idea because for for our other podcast, Infinity, Con- one of our other podcasts, Infinity Content, I just read Sandman Volume One, and in and I got a brief moment of confusion because in it, um, in like it, issue one or two, a character mentions Nibirios. And my oh. first thought was like, oh, that, that Grant, he mentioned <laughs> the Virios as early as Sandman back in 88. <laughs> and then I was like, well, no, wait, two different authors. That's right, yeah. <laughs> not, or oh, maybe not. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Neil not. Gaiman is a pen name for Grant Morrison? Yeah, Anybody? could be. Could be. <laughs> um, we got another one from uh, Andrew Carlson, which is awesome. Andrew sends us an email of his thoughts after every other issue or so, which I love getting (laughs) and keep it up. Everyone keep it up and don't, uh, don't hesitate to keep doing it. If we don't read them immediately on the podcast, it's just an issue of time. Uh, ah, I was wrong. So this is the Oberon reveal. I was wrong, but I was still pretty damn close. So close. Will said to me, another listener who we have an email from who did the voicemail one a while ago, uh, said to me today that he had to throw me off the scent. Great issue. So damn good. So good. Is my Andrew Carlson impersonation. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so much happens in each of these last three issues. It's honestly a little insane, but the art remains gorgeous and the mystery ever being or and the mystery ever being revealed. I cannot wait. I cannot see yet how it all connects, but I guess we all just have to continue to wait and see. And then it shows the uh the text message between Will and he, and Will said uh, it was definitely issue, definitely issue 10 that I decided I wasn't going to stop reading. Though I love the BNR issues more than the other issues, but mainly because those issues were more work and confusing as times. Have you figured out who Oberon Sexton is yet? And then, uh, and then Andrew said, is it fucking Bruce? And then Will just didn't respond. And then he said, I can't <laughs> think of anyone else uh, it could be other than maybe the Joker. So he was getting there. Andrew, <laughs> love it. Love getting to be a part of all these different people's uh, journey through this book gosh i'm so glad that i got to fall in love with the both of you guys while reading this book as well yeah. this thing creates networks man yeah it so and i still can't get over it. i i thought it was the riddler you know just cause, <laughs> just because the way he was drawn he was what a la- what a la- roman ta- answer he was lanky yeah. and he was lanky and thin and i was like well that's, that's not bruce yeah I just thought it was donut the whole time a corn-filled donut yeah i thought it was maybe bruce and he had just like been malnourished and hadn't exercised he was like atrophying through time or something oh he was in some kind of lockdown exactly yeah yeah yeah. except for i'm just putting weight on so um andrew carlson hey guys just wondering if you could elaborate a bit more on these first three issues of return of bruce wayne and how they relate correspond to the respective batman and robin issues i'm finding myself a bit more confused as i read each issue of the former Return of Bruce Wayne, particularly Bruce's game plan. Also, what's in the box? The mystery surrounding the importance of this cave and its implications. As always, sending love, support, and praise at all times. You guys are great, Andrew. Um, So I do think that the connection between the Return of the Bruce Wayne issues and the Batman Robin issues does make a little bit more sense after reading Batman 701 and 702, because 702 Mm -hmm. really kind of has him recording an audio memo of him realizing he's losing his memory and trying to record that. And that's when he makes that dope reference to Theseus in the, the maze yeah. and leaving a trail. Um, so when he goes to his own funeral. I fucking love. Yeah, I'm not yeah. dead. Yeah. So cool. So I want to go to my own funeral. 
Oh, but I, you don't want to see me cry that hard. <laughs> I always wanted to fake, even in high school, I always wanted to fake my death just so I could somehow observe and see if anybody showed up to my funeral and what kind of things they said. Well, I can't speak <laughs> to high school, but you'd have lots of people there now. Oh, yeah. You would ruin an entire community, buddy. I think that, like, the connection between those issues is pretty salient mm-hmm. in that, like, you know, the Batman and Robin issues. I think everything that's happening is a byproduct of the things that are happening in Return of Bruce Wayne. So, um, brave. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone can drive that home or clarify that a little bit more clearly, or if maybe he's read Batman 702 at this point and that feels more clear to him. Yeah, I would say that. I wonder if this is from 701, because at 702, we see Bruce like doing the stuff with the three roses and we see him at the Barbados wall. Like the, the connective tissue is really there. It's, you know, Bruce is literally in time setting clues for them. And so the connective tissue is physicalized in those issues um, where I think it's still there, but it's just like they share a timeline as the connective tissue before we see Bruce like going and doing those actions. Right. Um, Guys, we have a, uh, another email from Judd Morse regarding spe- specifically Return of Bruce Wayne number two, which I think was the first episode that you had had school with. And so Roman and I went ahead and did it. And we had a really awesome conversation about the hyper time explanation that okay. they get to yeah. in, in that issue um, as the Justice League is at the end of time. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, Judd says, hey, I listened to the Return of Bruce Wayne 2 episode, loved it, had a few thoughts I wanted to bring up. First, I've always read that the Kraken dragon monster thing as being something separate from the hyper adapter. Love everybody's different views of this. The brush robot at the end of time says something to the effect of it by dubbing it hyperfauna. I took this to mean some kind of hyperdimensional barnacle that exists in time (laughs) that kind of reaches itself to time travelers, but not the hyper adapter itself. Are you guys all thinking the hyperadapter and the hyperfauna are both just different terms for the same being thing? That would make sense too, but I don't know. I like the time travel and this journey is such a dangerous thing that even the pests are cross-dimensional monsters. <laughs> I like that. I like everyone having different reads on it. The reason I think that the Kraken is the hyperadapter is mostly was like kind of made more salient to me when batman 702 it shows dark side has the ancestor box and there's a big old kraken tentacle coming out of it mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah and i thought there was something in and it might not be in uh, return of bruce wayne number two but maybe number three i thought at some point somebody is it bruce or maybe maybe the somebody talking to the justice league in the future i thought somebody referred to these things bruce is encountering back in time as all hyper adapter right but i also think hyper adapter and being <clears throat> an example of hyperflora yeah or fauna hyperfauna um yeah that totally works that's cool i like that and i, I didn't like realize and i didn't realize it was the hyper adapter or the kraken or whatever the first time i read all this yeah i didn't either yeah i didn't put it together i always thought that it was i never caught the hyper fauna thing i always thought it was just the hyper adapter and my thought on that was like it looks dif- different in each issue because we like each one is like a play on a mythological monster mm. whether it's satan the witch the evil bat thing like it's all every human interpretation of this hyper object is mythologicalized as like a famous beast in mythology for the but, kind of the time that they're in in each issue right yeah. in the, their cultural lens but um it is all just this hyper adapter thing 
Um, That's I love all of these reads on that. And I really don't remember since I haven't read return of Bruce Wayne four through six yet, as we're recording this, I don't remember how it looks in the subsequent issues. So I'm real excited. Yeah, man. I'll need it. Uh, he talks yes, a little yeah. bit about the paintings, um, but I'm going to, in the interest of time, we skip to the end here. It says, Annie curses the Wayne family line until the end of time, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Bruce pops up at the end of time, disguised, I think, as that brush robot. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> going to get caught up on the rest of the episodes today and tomorrow most likely have a good one. Yeah, I the brush r- monster thing, the uh, whatever. Oh, nice. We got an email from Chris Murphy just this within the last 10 minutes. Um, wow. I, I, yeah, the like the I forget what he refers to himself as, like the time chronologer, the archivist. Yeah, that's yeah the archivist. Yeah. Love that. I love him. I st- and I still don't know is that actually Bruce or is that just the robot has imprinted on Bruce? <laughs> we don't know yet for sure. Yeah. Um, Chris Murphy, September twenty first, Return of Bruce Wayne number three. Chris, I'm glad your first sentence said this here. I'm so glad you mentioned Detective Comics two hundred and five, the story that shows Batman and Robin time traveling three hundred years back to sixteen fifty five to interact for the first time with the native tribe living in what becomes the Bat Cave. I found that reference somewhere on the internet, and I needed to make sure to include it so that we wouldn't be disappointing Chris Murphy because, you know, we got to give him a reason to keep listening uh, when he clearly knows more about bat history than us. Years later, in 1988, and without any reference to this old story, Batman the Colt by Starlin and Wrightson shows the fate of Gotham's indigenous people. They are also named the Miyagani and had been there over oh. a thousand years. It's the first and well, only yeah. time pre-grant that the tribe is de- identified by name. So in telling Return of Bruce Wayne 3, Morrison is retroactively setting to. Deco- detective comics 205 as the first appearance of the miyagani so cool i wonder if speculate this is jeff so cool i wonder if speculators are trying to get that issue as the first appearance of the miyagani that's awesome that's that's so awesome so cool (laughs) good work buddy Um, it's also worth noting that when batman and robin go back in detective 205 they do so with the help of Dr. Carter Nichols, the same oh. dog from De- Batman 700. Got us! Nichols, yeah. The appearance of the Black Pirate is slightly problematic from a timeline perspective. Mm-hmm. John Valor, the original Black Pirate, operated during the 1500s. During the Gold Age, John was framed for the murder of his son, Justin, and hanged. That's our Justin's name. But in DC Comics Presents number 48, 1982, it was shown that neither John nor Justin, that's our Justin's name, were really dead. Good, because our Justin's here. The story ends with just Justin sailing off as a Puritan to settle in the colonies. So let's say around the year 1630. Since Return of Bruce Wayne 3 takes place in 1718, it is unlikely that Jack Valor is the son of Justin Valor. It seems more likely that Jack is Justin's grandson, thereby suggesting that after coming to the New World, Justin followed in his father's footsteps. One last thing. Vandal Savage as Blackbeard was a new one on me, but I think it's brilliant. It looks like as recently as 2006, this double identity has been in continuity, and it brings the Return of Bruce Wayne Vandal Savage appearance is up to three totally cool thanks again for the ongoing work on the podcast chris murphy wow bennington vt chris Damn. we've grown so fond of you here at the the batman and quarantine podcast yeah I, I love all that i love that explanation about about uh the black pirate and his yeah. descendants <laughs> i know i you know for the things that i keep in my head numbers and dates and sort of back backlog continuity um is a thing i, I have a hard time holding in this brain of mine so I, I'm just so interested by, you know, the people who can pull that stuff out of their brain because, uh, you know, I could tell you what, like, two and a, 200 different subscribers, you know, get most weeks at a comic <laughs> shop uh, by name, but I, I can't do that. 
Have you guys heard of Andrew Carlson? Yeah, that, that, is, that is familiar. Uh, guys, it's not perfect, but I've been trying to think of the proper words that can sum up each omnibus volume in one word. I think the first one is identity. Second one may be legacy. Third may be community. I don't know, just something I've been pondering. Hmm. Obviously, I haven't finished volume two or three yet. Like one, identity, who are you? What's your purpose? Two, legacy, who will take up the mantle? Who will you leave behind? And three, community, who will, you, who will remember you? How will they remember you? And what will they remember you for? Just some thoughts. That's a, I love that. And I love, Django also at times talks about trying to sum things up in like a single word, which I've always thought is super interesting. Um, what, what would you guys, if you could summarize just volume one, I really like Andrews. I don't know. Um, I can only think of joke answers, like heavy. <laughs> heavy? I, you know, I think there's even an element to like maybe rebirth or reincarnation or like new, like a, you know, like a starting over, right? Like a purification and then like a, a renewal. Yeah. I would say the first one would be death. The second one would be rebirth. And then the third yeah. one... I don't know. I, I don't have a third one yet, but I think it's death and rebirth for, for those. Oh, that my, is my... a great question, Andrew. Um, listen, I just got, a, I got an email from uh, Chris Murphy here. We're moving a little quick because Roman does have to get to work. So I'm, well, I'm sorry. We don't, well, we don't have to, we don't have to speed through them. Maybe okay. the third one is establishment. If it's oh. death and rebirth and then oh. so I'm trying to think of a better word than establishment, but you know, solidifying your, your place in the, well, in Andrew's word, the community. Yeah, I was going to community or family as well. Yeah. Chris Murphy, <laughs> email here. Can't wait. From the 23rd, um, different font size. So that's exciting. Uh, if you're seeing this, it's a larger <laughs> wow. font size. And Keep I this hope one's serious. it is. I love it. I'm not troubled by the fact that there is a hidden room in the manor that Dr. Hurt accessed for a Barbatus invocation, but I am a bit puzzled by Thomas and Martha Wayne forbidding Bruce from going into that secret room like we learn on page 15 through 17 of Batman 701. Bruce asks himself, why had my parents made me solemnly vow never to enter the hidden room? It's a mystery, but it isn't completely without precedent. It shares some parallels with The Man Who Murdered the Past, a Bob Haney and Nick Carty story from The Brave and the Bold, number 99, 1971. And that story... Damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, Batman visits his boyhood summer home only to be possessed by an unruly spirit. While searching for answers, he is beckoned by what appears to be the ghost of his father to enter through a long locked basement door, which causes Bruce to recall, I was never allowed in here as a boy. He discovers that his father's journal to discover that in this secret room, Dr. Thomas Wayne had been attempting to breach the barrier between this world and the realm of the dead. I've included <laughs> scans of the comic itself for your perusal. Yeah. It's Holy not crap. a perfect match to what it was laid out in Batman 701, but both stories have A, a room in Wayne house, and B, into which Bruce is forbidden to go, and three, in which efforts were made to gain control over supernatural forces. I'm not 100% convinced that B and B99 is the inspiration behind the hidden room, but maybe it's a place to start. Thanks for the continued Batman fun wow i'm going to show you guys these scan images uh, at a different time but they are pretty rad is this just a pen name for grant morrison to do you write think in? grant is listening <laughs> oh grant can you tell us why the the, the costume flaps on the chest next yeah. <laughs> um all right we got two more which is man perfect. is that yeah yeah I got, what was that issue number i gotta look up that brave and bold issue um, i want to see the i want to see the cover i believe it was oh number no, 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 no. Number 99? 99. Yeah, Brave and Bold, number 99. God, so I wonder if that was like 
Raven Bolt featuring Batman and Thomas Wayne. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Roman, we're starting a little bit late because Roman was just at the do- the dentist, and he's a little bit nitrous up. Uh, so oh, je- yeah. jealous. What what are, what are Roman's rules of life? Anytime you're offered nitrous, do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got a couple tanks in the back. I save for when Roman comes <laughs> over. Uh, from Will Elmer, hello, Bat family. Yes, you are that with us. We are all Bat family. Since finishing the second omnibus a few weeks ago, I have taken a detour through Bat history and have been reading a lot of other classic Batman stories for the first time. Somewhere between reading Long Halloween and Hush, looking at this inexplicably valuable issue of Jimmy TIV's Batman 89 and watching Doom Patrol, I've come to notice that the majority of Batman's A-list and even B-list level rogues gallery is largely missing in this Morrison run, at least so far. It seems like Morrison has a penchant for using his own toys and paying homage to Silver Age type characters and their quirkiness, like the Circus of Strange, 99 Fiends, Flamingo, Dr. Hurt, and Professor Pig. No Penguin, no Two-Face, no Riddler, no Catwoman. We did get Talia with the rest uh, have some roguelikes and bat ninjas and the three ghosts of Batman. There was a brief appearance from Jeff's favorite villain, Deathstroke, but otherwise, I don't like <laughs> Deathstroke. That's a reference to the other pod- podcast. But otherwise, Harley was written off and Morrison put Joker through an entire metamorphosis to make him his own creation. Despite all that, it has still been an awesome journey, but it got me wondering what we missed. Which one of Batman's arch rivals would you have loved to see Morrison get, in his, get his hands on and why? And would you have liked to see them face off against Bat? dick bat or bruce bat that's a really awesome question first let's tackle just the lack of other villains in the series i think that's intentional yeah yeah i think yeah. he wanted to write like a new over for batman you know yeah um, yeah because i think that goes you know glove in glove with uh his whole uh creating a new myth okay re- right. rebirth of batman I hadn't thought too much about it. And I do, yeah, I think the idea of it being intentional does make a lot of sense to me. I also think that, you know, while there hasn't been a lot of old villains, there's been all of these references to non-villain things. So it is very rooted in what's come before it. But yeah, I do think that like, you know, when I look at Morris and I sort of think of his brain probably has an easier time creating new things than than making sure he's existing within the rules or, or personalities that have been pre-established by other characters or writers. Mm-hmm. So I could, you know, not that he can't do it, but yeah, it is interesting. What's an older villain that you would have loved to have seen in this? I think a Morrison written Riddler would be really cool. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Um, you know, it's interesting too, reading these, it, it never, the first time and the second time, it never occurs to me that, I don't miss any of the old villains. I don't Me even neither. think I don't even think of them going. Oh, I wonder where Catwoman is. Um, I'd also love to see Morrison do Two Face. Oh yeah, just to see yeah. what he how he would play with duality and all that. What do you think, Ubisaurus Rex? Who would you have loved to see Morrison write? I would like to see Morrison do Two Face as well. Even though I'm not a big fan of Two Face as a character, I think that. Morrison would do him interestingly as well as for a a while there was like a notion in comics that like Two-Face and Dick had a connection Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so to see that challenge there would be good I would like to see Morrison fully utilize Ra's al Ghul even though he does a very good Mm -hmm. job with that family lineage later on down the line to get a full-on Ra's al Ghul story I think would be cool Um, Bane isn't really 
Morrison's style, I don't think. Like, he's not enough of a cerebral character for Morrison to do, like, Morrison loves to take a thing and then also make it cosmic. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough enough of, like, a deep mythological substructure to Bane, even though I yeah. really like him as a character. It'd be interesting to see how he would bend that character to fit a more kind of archetypal role that Morrison likes to do with characters. Um, I... The Catwoman one, I do really like Catwoman and Batman having this sort of romantic relationship undercurrent through everything. That's the thing I like. And I'm thinking about it, and I can't think of a lot of, like, romances that Morrison has written that are super compelling to me. For sure. Um, So, but Um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't miss those villains, but I also do think that it makes it slightly less, the run entirely... uh, slightly less accessible to new readers because you do want to you know like hush is a great batman story because you're like all of the villains are there same with long halloween yeah (laughs) exactly uh and then uh p.s he wrote he said in case django needs more reasons to get the leg crushing omnibuses the back matter is really cool and that it come and that is coming from a guy who typically does not care for back matter my favorite is the very back of volume two there's this awesome layout and breakdown of the entire bat cave that appears to have been originally featured in 700 if you guys haven't checked that out I suggest you flip to the last two pages of the omnibus and check it out. Wow. I have it here with me, and I'm going to do that now. I have, yeah. I didn't realize there was back matter in these. <laughs> oh, there's definitely gorgeous back matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And it has that one Batman 700 cover that uh, started Justin's love with Mike Mignola. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Though there's no explanation about Doctor Hurt's butt neck. Oh, God. <laughs> I did love the cover-by-cover cover rundowns that Morrison did for the Quietly covers. He sort of talks about the ideas behind each one of them. But even just, like, a paragraph about the butt neck would have been good. Right. I need to know. <laughs> uh, and then our final email is Batman702 from Chris Murphy. It came in midway through this podcast. Chris, thanks so much. Um, oh, fuck yeah. He's proud of us, you guys. Oh. Uh, oh man if there's it's like i don't know him i don't know how old he is i hope he's not younger than me but I, and now i'm sort of like i just sort of like i feel like i'm making my bat dad proud um chris murphy ah uh, quarantiners you do me proud by making that willow wood connection to bruce's long lost brother well done so it has that uh yeah it has anyway um we, we talked about that just yesterday well done yeah. i'd add that thomas wayne jr made his second and last appearance in world's finest 227 and although, as Justin noted, Grant hadn't referenced much of Bob Haney's work in his run on the Bat titles, there is an explicit reference to Thomas Wayne Jr. in an early Morrison story, JLA Earth 2. One of my favorite Morrison stories, because hmm. it's got quite the art through the whole thing. In that story, the JLA travels to post-crisis Earth 2, which was like the pre-crisis Earth 3, and was the forerunner for the post-multiversity Earth 3. <laughs> what a sentence. <laughs> to foil the schemes of the crime syndicate of America. While there, Bruce meets up with the police commissioner, Thomas Wayne Sr. We learn that on Earth 2, Joe Chill killed Martha and little Bruce Wayne, but, not, but spared Thomas Wayne Sr. and Thomas Wayne Jr. Sr. became police chief and Jr. became the evil Earth 2 Batman analog owl man so morrison has definitely played with the concept of thomas wayne jr in the past and the oblique reference to batman 702 just confirms the idea that in grant's run everything counts i didn't i had totally forgotten that thomas wayne jr is owl man in in that continuity and i wonder if it is in like the current continuity like forever evil within the new 52 i wonder if it's thomas wayne jr in that oh yeah and like 
Yeah, and the fact that we have Thomas Wayne just running around in the DCU, I wonder if that is, they went to Earth 2 to get yeah, him. Is that, did Flashpoint take place on Earth 2? Oh man, New 52 continuity is a thing I don't actually really spend yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Flashpoint took place, well I think Earth 1, but it affected all the Earths, like all the crisis CCs. Right, but is that Dude. Thomas Wayne, Thomas Wayne Jr.? Right, and that's the question. We'll have to, we'll have to no, flip the no, book open. I think, no, because I think the Flashpoint Batman, Thomas Wayne, it, that's, that's Bruce's father. Right, the Flashpoint okay. one. Earth yeah, one. The, yeah, anyway, sorry. Okay. Um, but uh, oh, also, fine. you noted that Batman's last directive as he records his message to the future is survive. Have no fear, because as Batman himself tells us on the very first page of Batman 701, surviving is easy. And if you're hungry for more New God stories from Grant, do yourself a favor and check out his Mr. Miracle miniseries as part of the Seven Soldiers of Victory mm. multi-miniseries event from 2005. The whole crossover was great and serves as an, impro- an important appetizer to Final Crisis. Thanks for another fun episode. Chris Murphy. Chris Murphy, we love you here. Love you. Roman, did you read Seven Soldiers back when it was coming out? I did. I read all of, all of that, those, those miniseries. Um, and Seven Soldiers and Mr. Miracle were my favorites there was a third one i really liked too and i can't remember i think it was the uh, clary and the witch boy yeah those were miniseries yeah within seven soldiers there was like seven yeah. three or four issue miniseries i have it as a giant dumb leg crushing book and haven't read it um and but when we did the prep for the final crisis episode a year or so ago that's in this feed mm-hmm. i i read a lot about that and was sort of it was definitely reinforced how integral it is to understanding a lot of the stuff in final crisis. So one day, Hey, you know what? How about an issue by issue podcast about it in the reading (laughs) order of the omnibus? Um, Oh, you guys are all so awesome. Thanks so much for sending emails and being a part of this thing with us that we're doing. It really was just like, Hey, we got to spend time doing something this pandemic. Let's start this thing. And then the world started back up and that's been crazy, but I do think it will finish <laughs> at some point. So um, it's awesome to have everybody be a part of it. We're making a headway. Yeah, those we are. are. We're got to be halfway through, right? Oh yeah, I think we're. I think more so. Than half, more yeah, than halfway through it. Okay. Point. Okay. Because Batman Inc. isn't super super long. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, I bet when we finish Return of Bruce Wayne, Batman and Robin, we'll probably take a week or two hiatus just to like get some more episodes in the can because we're down to the wire right now. And while I do love that, it is a little stressful. But gosh, I love it. I love the butt necks that have shown up. I love getting oh, to talk to the two of you guys. The butt if you, neck. It, so as you can see, we're getting emails of all types from people. So don't hesitate. If you just got really stoned and read an issue of Batman and you're sitting on your toilet and you want to just send your thoughts about some weird connection you made in your brain, get it done. If you want to make love fun that. of Django, go ahead and send that, <laughs> that in. That's an active, active part of most of our daily lives. So that's a, you know, I wonder if the people who don't know us who listen to this can, can you know, if they get that about Django without knowing it, right? If they <laughs> somehow can tell that you need to make fun of him. <laughs> well, I mean, you just got you got to shame a little Satanist back into the hellhole that he's crawled out of. You know? <laughs> yeah, Otherwise, that's true. he's going to run rampant and just carve butt necks into all of our necks. Oh, God. His own butt neck is enough for all of us. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess we'll get out of here. I, uh, I hope to see everybody again soon. We'll be back on Monday for... I believe it's Batman. I th- actually, it might be Return of Re- Bruce Return Wayne. Return of Bruce Wayne. Four. 
I, is, yeah, let me confirm so I don't tell people uh, erroneous shit. That's the one I read last night because for some dumb reason I was like, oh, it's an email no, episode. Be... I need to read Batman Return of Bruce Wayne number four. So the Omnibus be... actually has Batman and Robin, uh, the Frasier Irving issue. I think it's 13. Yeah, it's 13 oh, and yeah. four. Just sorry, that's the one I read. Okay. I, but because of the Fraser Irving art, I thought it was Bruce Wayne. Oh, because we Bruce had, Wayne. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, next, on Monday, will be Batman and Robin 13. Wednesday will be Return of Bruce Wayne 4. And Friday will be Batman and Robin 14. Fraser Irving's drawings of Dick Grayson's abs in this next issue is, is good. The thing wow. of dreams. You know, Justin, on the Zoom, you were just kind of waving your, your copy of... The, omnibus. the second omnibus around and at the angle you were holding it for some reason in my maybe nitrous remnant addled head it looked kind of like the uh, uh the wu-tang symbol <laughs> oh well he's also wearing yellow so maybe that was yeah. tied into it oh maybe well. the, yeah my brain put everything together there um <laughs> well hey justin you, listen you stay strong doing the school stuff all oh, right yeah. and uh mm-hmm. we'll be here for you whenever you got an open episode uh on a thursday or friday but you know Gosh, school in a pandemic. Yeah. You have my love and my, my luck, okay? Uh, yeah, I, I theoretically should be able to do the next one. I'm ex- there, you know, there's some shit really going down. <laughs> Cooking in yeah. the meat blender, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Someone put shit in this in the, meat blender. <laughs> so, Roman, uh, thank you, Justin. Thank you. I love you both endlessly. And on behalf of those two wonderful souls, I am Jeff. Thanks for listening to Batman in Quarantine 45. We'll see you on Monday. Have a really good weekend. Thank you.